All right, psychology nerds, welcome to a special live episode of Psychology and Stuff, the podcast of the University of Wisconsin Green Bay Psychology Program. I'm Ryan Martin, host of Psychology and Stuff, and we are at the beautiful Widener Center for the Performing Arts at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay campus. This episode is part of a special Phoenix Studios live event where all five of our Phoenix Studios podcasts are performing. We are batting clean up here tonight with what we hope is a very fun episode featuring some super great guests. Now, all five shows tonight are trying to tie their discussions to Frankenstein's, and our contribution to that discussion is an episode about the horror genre in film. And so we're going to do that with a couple of guests here. So my first guest is a Psych and Stuff all-star. He was just on an episode last month where he spoke with us, uh, along with one of his fabulous students, about the brain and schizophrenia. He's a cognitive neuroscientist whose expertise is on the development of empathy and morality. Put your hands together for Dr. Jason Cowell. Hey, thank you. Great to be here. Right. So, Jason, I want to ask you a bunch of questions about brain swapping, since this is a Frankenstein event. Are you prepared to answer any of those? Can we no. do it? How far away are we from brain swapping? Is my uh, yeah, we're quite a ways away. Are we? From, yeah. I, okay. It, so, my yeah. lifetime? No, not my lifetime? Uh, not I want to change. I want to change brains with Brad yours. Pitt. Is that a thing? That, that is <laughs> not a thing. Okay, okay. we're going with right. not a okay. thing. <laughs> so, so my real question for you is: Do you like scary movies? Uh, no, it, it. I actually hate scary movies. So this was uh, when Ryan asked me to be on the podcast. My first response to him was: I don't watch horror movies, and I hate horror movies. And At so which point he said, perfect. "That's that's yeah. okay." <laughs> You should still come on. So, you know, that's, that's my spiel. Okay, good. I wanna, we're going to get into why yeah. uh, in yeah. a little bit. But first, let's introduce our second guest tonight. Uh, she's been on a couple of episodes, even taking over hosting responsibilities a few times. She's a senior psychology major here at UW-Green Bay, who, whether it's honors projects, internships, or teaching assistantships, does all the things. Give it up for Sammy Outer-Beezer. Thank you. So same question, Sammy. Do you like scary movies? Yes, I actually love them a lot. Okay. So now is when we get into the why. So for both of you, mm -hmm. what is it about? You know, I'm a counseling psychologist, so I was trained not to ask why questions because they sound super judgy. <laughs> so I'm going to say, what happened to you as a child that made you? <laughs> well, my parents are in the crowd, so I'm not going to answer that. Right. No, I'm kidding. Um, it was nothing to do with my upbringing. Okay. Um, I just think that they're really thought-provoking and they're engaging, and I guess I think things that are, I mean, I feel like this is going to sound weird and I'm going to be judged, but things that are dark and disturbing are, they're interesting and they're fascinating to me, I guess, if that makes sense. It, sure. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to the bottom of it before our 20 minutes is we up. Don't so to don't do you don't have to do that. Worry. <laughs> That's okay. How about you, Jason? What? Yeah, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Sammy, that uh, dark and kind of mysterious I enjoy. That, that I can get on board for, especially dark-themed things I can get on board for. There's something about horror movies, and I think we're going to get to part of this today, that uh, to me makes me feel out of control. And that feeling of a, a complete loss of control mm -hmm. is something that I just, it doesn't sit well with me. Uh, and so I'm pretty sensitive to it. And that, that usually means certain types of movies, in particular certain genres within horror itself, mm -hmm. are even worse for me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's just not what I love. And, that, and I think I 
fall somewhere in between you two, but closer to Jason on the spectrum. But I think it's also changed as I've gotten a little bit older, too, that I think there was a time when I loved scary movies, that that was a, a tradition actually around Halloween. I was always having friends over to watch a scary movie on Halloween. That was a tradition we had for a while. Those scary movies got less and less scary as I got older, that all of a sudden we moved from like Halloween to like, Nightmare Before Christmas, you know, <laughs> so, nice. so, um, but I think for a similar reason that I think, you know, my answer to the question, do I like horror movies, uh, horror movies is when they're good, you know, like uh, there are one, there are some that I think I'm willing to put myself through some misery for or some discomfort for because they're really good. So we've talked about this. I love the movie Get Out. I thought it was one of the best movies I've seen in a very, very, very long time, um, but it was hard for me to watch. I mean, it was a, a really challenging film for me to get through, and I, I, and it meant some sleepless or a sleepless <laughs> night, right? You know, I, I have nightmares about such things, but I'm willing to put up with it for a really good movie. Um, and I think there's others that sort of fall on that list. Yeah, that's I. I would say the same, which is not that I love certain horror movies, but especially some of the classics, uh, you know, The Shining and some of those. Nice. I. I can appreciate what's mm -hmm. going on there, uh, and then also have nightmares about <laughs> it. So yeah, I can appreciate it. Right. Well, um, so for both of you, and I think I know the answer, Jason. But um, have you ever seen one that was like just too scary? That just was. That was so scary that it was no longer any fun at all, or that it, it yeah, did I, bad things to you. Okay, so actually. The Ring, for some reason, is the one that gets me every what? time. So I've seen it. I know it doesn't necessarily seem like a horror movie to you, <laughs> but there's an aspect of um, it. Actually, it, it goes along with what we heard about in, a, in the previous podcast, um, that jump startle, that idea of a startle reflex that gets gets you amped up. And there's there's subtle ways that they're amping you throughout that just continuously keeps you at a level of physio arousal that is too much for me. So I, I turned that one off. How about That's you? the only one I've tried. How about you, Sammy? I guess I wouldn't say someone's just scary, but like disturbing wise. Um, has anyone in here seen Hereditary? Okay, so you know. Uh, that was too much for me. They, they oh took right. it too far. Okay. Too far. Without freaking me out, it, can you tell me why? <laughs> I guess, uh, <laughs> I, guess um, I mean, uh, the second half was scary and kind of weird, but I mean, in the first half, there's an event that takes place that's it's just like a freak accident that you just no. do not see coming and they just the way they went about doing it was mm -hmm. just not great I, I, they spent too much time on it I would mm -hmm. say and then um the reaction to the event which I say would be fairly accurate was also scary to see because you can kind of feel like what would I do if I was in that situation I'm gonna end up googling this later <laughs> to find yeah. out maybe do it in the morning yeah okay I'll wait till tomorrow <laughs> Um, for me, I, so I, so I love the movie Silence of the Lambs, right? This falls in the, it's, was worth the discomfort because it's such a good movie. Um, which is why I was so excited when the sequel came out and I had big plans and I went to see, I think, what, is it Hannibal, I think it's called? And I went to see it and I actually got there way early. This is, I lived in Mississippi and nobody gets to movies early in Mississippi. And so I was like, I, uh, I went to, like super early and I got a seat and then actually my friends didn't, um, they, they got there late enough that they didn't get in to see it. And I was like, I was kind of mad at them for not. And so I just saw this movie, it was just Tina and I. And 
it was so off-putting to me that like I had <laughs> nightmares for days about this movie and then I was all mad at my friends again because it's like why didn't you guys have to go suffer through the misery that I had to suffer through <laughs> for this What was so ter- off-putting about it? There's a scene that I don't even really like to talk about too much where a guy harms himself and yeah. in a way that is so upsetting to me and it, it actually mm-hmm. played into like some other so I uh, so I'd seen pictures of such a thing online you know like a friend sent me like hey check this out and like which is not something you do Getting to a friend right yeah yep. no I agree <laughs> <laughs> and so I uh it so it was already something that sort of haunted me and then it to see it play out again yeah. I was like what is happening why so yeah and then it so it, it was upsetting for a very long time but yeah and I think it's stuff like that like every uh, part of what horror does is it it pushes buttons right we just heard this from the so the people from terror on the fox were here for a previous show and i'm i'm actually i really didn't want them to think i was a big wimp so i'm kind of glad that they're not here right now (laughs) so i was like i don't i don't want them to know how lame i am that the uh the kids version of their show was too scary for me um but uh but we you know i think it, it pushes buttons that based on in in every now and then they sort of hit what's probably a sweet spot to them but for us it's like a little bit too Mm -hmm. much you know so jason walk us through the brain and what happens when people get scared yeah i mean a lot of us anecdotally have a rough idea which is uh when you immediately feel startled you get the first feelings of fear so that's goosebumps that's uh well sphincter tightening that's like holy crap what just happened this is a family show i'm trying i'm trying to be family oriented by saying sphincter so we'll go with that so i know i said it again what did i do uh no so the gist is you've got that you start to get a cold sweat starting to happen your heart is racing faster you're having uh in in neuroscience terms it's called physiological arousal but you're in an amped state your body's ready to respond to things and you've probably heard of it referred to as your fight or flight response so it's what most people think of as oh I'm getting ready to fight I'm getting ready to run I'm trying to protect myself somehow that's almost immediate it's something that happens um, from a lot of different things but one of the key things that it happens from is uh, startle so it's it's what was talked about at, at terror on the fox to get you to that aroused state which is oh crap I wasn't expecting that. And if you think about a lot of horror movies, one of the things that they play off is constantly having pieces where there's an unexpected event that happens. It gets you into an amp state, and then they can play out with some other themes that make it much worse as they go further. Uh, So that's kind of the low road. The low road is we, within 200 milliseconds, so before I can even snap my fingers, we're already responding to that immediate startle. But then it keeps us in this high state, and we keep trying to reappraise that. So part of where we talk about that individual difference thing, so like where things are different between you and I, is off of our previous experiences. We're constantly going back, and we're trying to bring pieces in from parts of the brain that have to do with memory. We're tying that in, how should I interpret this? So uh, we made a joke uh, before when we were talking about this episode where I said, well, the movie's scary movie. Uh, to me is scary, um, scary which movie. <laughs> scary movie okay. if you don't know this is is a parody I would 
of, of horror movies. Um, but the thing is, they're doing the same kinds of actions that are happening in the horror movies. It's just the context is allowing you to not feel as scared in that. So what's happening is you have that immediate response, and then you're starting to evaluate context. So when you're sitting at Terror on the Fox, you're evaluating the darkness of the night, the, the cold air that's sitting around you. You're evaluating all of these, and it keeps you in that state of, of fear. I can talk more about this if we want to go further, <laughs> but... <laughs> talk about where it... So I, whenever I talk about emotions, I like to, to think about like the evolutionary value. What, why does this... Yeah, so th that, that immediate part of fight or flight is, is really about survival in its... In its perfected form and it's kind of been taken over by a, by anxiety by other aspects of just basic emotion processing and so we have a, a, a somewhat slow acting system so the fast acting goes to these things called the amygdala uh, which you may have heard about if you've ever taken an intro psych class but it's it's right here right, right yeah yeah heart. it's it's yeah. right in your heart no it's <laughs> that too Ryan. All right. Uh, no, the, the amygdala are just two small parts of the brain that you have almost direct signals going from your eyes and ears that go in, stimulate areas of the amygdala. They process fear really fast, but they also process other parts of emotion. So one of the funky things about the brain and emotion is that when we're in this state of arousal, sometimes we don't know what's yielding that, and sometimes we then interpret emotion accordingly. So one of the old anecdotes from, from neuro on this is if you get someone into an amp state of arousal, uh, then you can, if, if you get them really worked up in fight or flight from an evolutionary sense, then it's a great date night thing. It's a great thing to go and do all of this because you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I'm so scared. I need comfort and you want to hug someone and, and you need to have comfort in other ways. And so that's one of the old anecdotes is go to a horror show for a date night. It's true. Motorcycle, stuff like that. It's all, yeah, it's, it's yeah. risk. Yeah. So risk in general, right. but in motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things we've kind of played around with as we've talked about this is sort of the different types of scary movies, right? The idea that there's, there's startle, but there's also creepy and things like that. Sammy, give, us, give me a sense of like, so what are the, how do you unpack that. You're a horror movie expert tonight. Oh God, that's, a, that's a big question. Was that not on the list I sent you? No, it, it definitely <laughs> was, but I guess um, like your classic paranormal activity or something like that focuses on like the jump scares, but then I'd say movies like, like Get Out, for example, like there are times where it is scary in the moment, but I, ones that are more thought-provoking, I feel like provoke more fear than, I guess, just like the arousal, because you have to think about it. A movie, when you leave the movie and you're still thinking about it, I mean, that's what I think is a good scary movie. You know? Right. And that's, well, I don't love scary movies. I will say, um, the perspective-taking aspect is one of the fascinating things that's oftentimes played with after you've been immediately jump-scared, which is if you can mess with privilege, if you can mess with the knowledge you have that that character might not, it gets you into a state of feeling a certain sense of empathy for them. You're going, oh no, something's going to happen. You're going through mm -hmm. all the possible consequences. You have this privileged knowledge that the character doesn't, and it's constantly keeping you in this higher state of arousal, mm -hmm. getting ready to respond. Yeah. Um, and, and pretty good horror movies tend to play with that. Yeah, well, that makes me think of A Quiet Place because, I mean, even in the first five minutes, you're connected to this family and, like, you feel for them. And then uh, the whole movie, like, you, you're holding your breath with them and you're trying to, like, not breathe too loud and things like that because you feel like you're there because they make you feel like, 
I don't know how to explain it. It's like it becomes personal almost. Like yeah, it, you, because you resonate so much with that character, exactly. it's actually yielding, from a brain sense, activation in a slightly different network, which mm -hmm. is uh, there's an argument that you're starting to process the emotions of those people kind of as your own. So mm -hmm. you're processing it as uh, a mirroring sort of way and not in the mere neurons way, which is you're starting to process their emotions as your own and it gets you into a similar state of, mm -hmm. of empathy for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, John Krasinski's acting in that movie is phenomenal and if you guys are a fan of scary movies, I highly suggest that you check that one out. That's on my list of ones that I will suffer through it's because I it. because yeah. I think it might be worth it. I think, I mean, that's a, a common approach. One of the things I want to unpack in this episode is sort of some of the common approaches that horror movies use to scare us. And one of them is this idea that they will, you know, they, they like to uh, put people in what you would consider safe places by and large, right? So suburbia is a, a relatively common one, or, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and so if you think about the horror movies of the, the 80s and 90s, um, and, well, in the 70s, like Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, right? Elm Street is supposed to be every street, right? This is a, a way in which they, they can, and I actually remember as a kid there was an Elm Street like near our house, oh, and of no. course, so everybody was like, that's the one where the movie was made, right? <laughs> and so, but that's a way in which they try and hit you, right? So, they, and they take, some of the mo those famous scenes take place in relative, like, uh, the shower in Psycho, and, and places that are, mm -hmm. are thought to be safe spaces, right? And so it's a way of letting you know, audience, you're not okay, right? You're not safe. <laughs> so. I actually don't know how much time. Oh, oh, five minutes. We're fine. We got time. So We're what else good. do we want to yeah. talk about? <laughs> so what are some <laughs> what are some other uh, what are some other common elements that you see from horror movies that that they use to scare you? Well, one thing I would say is sound effects for <laughs> sure. Um, my dad actually showed me this thing. It's called the apprehension engine. He's here, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> He's waving. Okay. So it was created by this uh, guy. He's actually a guitar maker named Tony Dugan Smith. And it basically, you should look it up, it makes the most unsettling noises I have ever heard. Like, you can just sit there and listen to it, and you can, like, feel the hair on your arms raised. Like, I couldn't even finish the video. I was, like, looking it up to prep for this, and I couldn't, I got, like, a minute, and I'm like, there's no need for me to put myself through this, but. And you just say it again? Which, what is it? It's called the apprehension machine, or oh, engine, okay. apprehension engine. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So, and, you know, a previous podcast and I talked about the music from Jaws as an example, you know, and this is an example of, like, perfect, I, you know I wasn't going to get through a horror movie <laughs> podcast without yeah. talking about She's Jaws. She's also wearing a Jaws t-shirt. That's right, I am. So, yeah. <laughs> you only have so many opportunities to wear a Jaws t-shirt, and I have one, so I'm taking it. Um, yeah, but the music is, is sort of that perfect, and, it, and there's trickery there and that they build you up to that moment, but then there's a lot of times throughout the movie Jaws, which I've seen a couple times, um, where, they, uh, where they build you up to that moment, but then they let you down, like it doesn't happen, right? The, this, mm -hmm. this, the, the attack doesn't happen that they've prepared you for, and so then you're still sort of, on pins and needles thinking, well, it could, right? It could happen, but it doesn't. So there's lots of, of use of, of music that way. And I mean, that's, that's something that I would argue uh, kind of happened uh, when we were in the, the last podcast was talking a lot about the cathartic aspect potentially of fear. And I, I think that's an interesting point where you're talking about music, which is you have this buildup, you have this buildup, you have this buildup, you keep having all of this, and then the movie ends. And mm -hmm. Some of us have nightmares about it, but most people come out of it feeling some sense of, hey, that was a risk, but I feel pretty good about coming out the other side. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's something that I think is interesting about a lot of horror movies, which is you get that in a well-done one, 
but there's other movies that kind of play at, I mean, if we're talking slasher Mm -hmm. flicks, that's one where I've never quite understood what they're going for at times. They don't resonate with me, and uh, that's a personal thing, but it's Mm -hmm. more just, uh, there's a lot of violent aspects that are supposed to scare, and and I get that. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of blood, which could be scary. Um, I don't know. I've been wondering about slasher flicks. Yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of scary movies, you know, one of the ways in which scary movies kind of work their magic is by picking on those universal fears, those things that human beings are more or less all afraid of, right? So the dark, uh, loud noises, we talked about startle, blood and gore is is on that list, right? That's a yeah. thing that we are in the, I mean, and then creatures, so you've got your, you know, arachnophobias and things like that. So like, uh, sharks. Piranaconda. Uh, yep. Yeah, Sharktopus. Um, I will see any movie with sharks in it, by the way. That's a, a rule I have. Um, so, uh, but, you know, they prey on those kinds of sort of universal fears, those things that we all have. But they also prey on subtype or subpopulation fears, right? So they know their audience is largely adolescents and young adults, and so most of the movies take place in those populations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of horror movies take place with with in young adult populations because they know by the time, and there's background in this we'll talk about in our second segment about um, like how the, the, the thing I've experienced, which is as I've got older, I've become less interested in horror movies. Um, that's, that's relatively common. It's called socio-emotional selectivity theory, and it's about people um, choosing to consume or media differently because they want to maximize positive emotions and minimize negative ones, right? So That makes me sound terrible. <laughs> yes, well, it's just for now. Don't worry. You'll, okay. you'll, it's you'll only age, temporary. You'll age out of it. <laughs> so, All right. Um, that is actually one of the things I want to get to in our second segment, which we're going to do offline here is, um, is not offline, right? Well, it'll still be recorded, just not with the audience, um, is talk a little bit about the why. Like, what is it that that people enjoy to help get at that question of why slasher films and things like that. But this is going to be it for the live portion of our show. When we come back, we'll keep this conversation going in the privacy of historic Studio B in Mary Ann Coffrin Hall. Thank you all very much. (laughs) All right, we are back. So admittedly, it has been about a week since our last conversation, and I don't remember a whole lot of what we talked about, right? I have a vague memory of us questioning Sammy's upbringing and Jason talking about sphincter tightening. This no. is correct. <laughs> <laughs> but Let's reverse course does, on this. Does okay. That, does that sound close? Does that sort of sum up where we were at? I would imagine most people could, yeah, take uh-huh. that from the first half of the episode. Mm-hmm. Those were the two main themes of... Embarrassingly so. of the episode. So I think we talked a lot about kind of what makes horror movies scary, why people don't like them. Uh, Jason, you talked a little bit about the fear response and what happens, which is where we got to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the different, like why some people like them and some people don't. Um, and so I guess I actually have a study on this. It's one that I talk about in one of the courses I teach. Now, I want to start by saying, it's old, um, and by old I mean 2006. So just before Sammy was born. Um, okay, I, I think. Um, but, All right. Yes. Um, no, it's it's old, but this is not an area that is high on researchers' priorities, right? We don't have a whole lot of scholars out there saying let's study why people like or don't like horror movies. I mean, fear is right. Fear is, but no horror movies themselves. 
just because they induce fear would be studied, but that's about the extent of it. Right. Yeah. So, but studying why people like it and why people don't is not really high on people's list. But um, what's interesting about this study, which is why I'm, I'm, that's my explanation for why I'm going back to 2006 for an article. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it's titled On the Consumption of Negative Feelings. And they actually kind of explore that in a, they talk about it in the context of horror movies, but or they study it in the context of horror movies, but they actually talk about it a little more broadly as far as, you know, it's not just horror movies that we consume negative feelings, right? It's it's amusement park rides, it's horror uh, haunted houses. It's it's actually there's other negative feelings, you know, the watching tearjerkers, things like that. And it's in some ways it's sort of weird, right? Because as human beings, like the sort of a basic premise is of uh, being a human being on some level is hedonism, right? This idea that <laughs> yeah. we avoid negative experiences yeah. when we can. So they're studying why. Uh, why do we do this? And they do this in a lot of ways, and we won't get into all of that, other than to say that one of the things that they did that's really interesting is they looked at people, they call them fear approachers, and then there's fear avoiders, right? And fear, fear approachers are people who like scary movies, say they like them, and choose to go see them. And then there's fear avoiders, people who don't. And one of the things they do is they just ask people as they're watching it to sort of follow along and like indicate, are you enjoying yourself? And then they keep doing that afterwards. And what they find is that one of the pieces is that that might separate maybe Jason and I from Sammy is that um, that I'm not enjoying myself during and you are, Mm -hmm. which is a big part of it. So it's not so much that you are, uh, you know, that that you're scared during, but you enjoy it after the fact, which is one of the theories is that you're really enjoying it during. Part of what they identify, though, is because they do something kind of interesting where they put the actors uh, names up on the screen and their picture up on the screen during and they found that when they did that fear avoiders reported enjoying the movie more and so it says something about your capacity to like disconnect and to remember it's a movie that some people are just naturally better at than others mm-hmm. but that I'm not very good at you know that I, I'm not very good at remembering that this isn't real in the moment That and that and that's actually really cool in that it taps Part of what we were talking about last week, which was about perspective taking, your ability to truly put yourself in the shoes of the other person. And what I I think this creates, well, in this case, a psychological distance from actually going, okay, this is me, this could be me, this is what this person's feeling, to going, this is a person portraying something that Mm -hmm. is there. And that difference between appearance and reality is probably a, a key uh, right. feeling for how much physiological arousal you're experiencing at that exact moment. So, so, Sammy, when you're watching a scary movie, do you find yourself having to remind yourself that it's not real, or does it happen naturally, or is that just not something? I don't know. I'm I curious. think after the fact is usually when I'm thinking about that. Like, I can leave the theater, you know, wherever I am, and it's I'm already distanced from it. But I think during, I think that's part right. of the, I don't want to say the fun, but part of the experience is to put yourself in the shoes of, Hmm. whoever the main character is or whatever's happening. But that's one of the reasons I, like, I hate roller coasters, and I'm not a huge fan of haunted houses either because that is, I mean, it's real. I mean, I know right. parts of the um, haunted house obviously aren't, but, like, you're actually there and experiencing this, whereas, like, I'm in the safety of my own home and I can shut it off at any time mm-hmm. I want. Well, that is really interesting because, for me, the, the problem is that I can't turn it off afterwards. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't walk out of the movie and say, it's over. It's just a movie. It stays with me overnight. It stays with me sometimes for a couple of days, Some in some cases forever. Yeah, you know? I feel like it depends on the type of movie. Like, there's movies with monsters that I can leave behind, but then there's, like, movies where people 
are portrayed as monsters or monsters are portrayed as people. You know what I mean? Like real people that are terrible. That mm-hmm. stuff is hard for me to leave behind because, uh, I mean, sometimes that is a reality. Mm-hmm. It's it, So I, I also agree here, actually, that I, I can't really separate myself after it's, I'm done with the movie. I just keep thinking about it and I keep feeling some of those experiences and they keep coming back up. And one analogy I have to this is that when I was originally watching The Shining, I ended mm-hmm. up having to leave right at the point, uh, if you haven't seen The Shining, where he's in this snow spoiler tractor. For the I, won't, I won't spoil everything, but <laughs> it's at the height of the movie when a lot of stuff is going down and it's still very scary. And he's in a snow tractor um, out there. And at that point, uh, I was in high school, had a curfew, had to leave, <laughs> had to get home before curfew. And uh, I've always been a real follower on that stuff. But So I had to get home before curfew. And so I left it in the middle of the scariest part of the movie and never had the resolution piece that comes on the mm-hmm. backside. And so part of what I'm wondering is, are people who really enjoy horror movies better at seeing the resolution happen? So you're mm-hmm. seeing the full process that when you finish it, it is done. Yeah. It's not like you're not stuck in this, hey, I'm still sitting in mm-hmm. this thinking about it. A That's lot. funny. That happened to me with, there's this movie called The Strangers. And I was in high school and I was watching it with my brother because he, uh, he's the one that got me into scary movies. And he had to leave to go over to his friend's house. And it was like right before the last like 10 minutes where everything's about to go down. And I, I couldn't watch it by myself. So I shut it off. And I like, I have thought about it for years. And actually just the last few months it was on Netflix. So I finally finished it and got the resolution. But it's something I thought about a lot, like when I'm home alone, like that was something I would think about was that particular movie, because I, I didn't know how it ended. And actually knowing now how it ended did not help. <laughs> yeah, I find myself sometimes uh, w- with scary movies, especially ones that are really popular and wanted and talked about, wanting to know what they're all about. So I did mm-hmm. this with Saw, I've done this with a few others, where I just go read the what happens. You, you know? read the movie instead of watching it. No, no, no. I read the Wikipedia <laughs> entry or the oh or whatever because I don't want to see it, but I want to know what the hype is about. Uh-huh. You know, like I want to know what people are into. I see other people nodding. Is this some, a thing you guys do? So I don't as much. Uh, I like to try to experience the stuff and see what happens to me. But uh, my wife does this quite often where if there's a show that's really dark and we know the themes are dark, I tend to kind of like dark themes but not horror themes, and she doesn't. And so, But she wants to know what the show's about. She right. wanted to know what Breaking Bad was about, so she oh, went nice. and read some okay. synopses of Breaking Bad or things mm-hmm. like that. And so I know exactly what you're talking yep. about here. But, yeah, it's interesting. Well, so to change topics just a little bit as we as we wrap up here. I was listening this morning to Pop Culture Happy Hour, the, the podcast uh, from NPR, and they are talking about the new Halloween that is either, mm-hmm. I think, just came out um, or maybe yeah. came or about this two, week. Yeah, I think it came out last week. Did it? I and think. it's really interesting because, so Halloween was one of the first horror movies I ever saw as a kid, actually on Halloween. This was our, you know, like when mm-hmm. I was, and by as a kid, I mean I was probably 13, 14, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and it, uh, um, I, I loved it at the time, you know, and yet I, and I've seen all of the, I've seen all of the, the sequels through like what, I guess H2O that came out 20 years ago. And then, um, I think that's what they called it. That's not I, just I me. think that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. That's and, funny. That sounds right. And, but I didn't see like the Rob Zombie remake uh, or anything, but it, what's really, so this one is interesting because it, I guess it's imagining a world that those sequels didn't happen. This is part two and it's 40 years later. Oh, and I did not know that. So it's all those other things didn't happen. I don't know how they're they're just wiping that out of the universe. This is a sequel uh, to the first one, forty years later, and it's interesting because part of what 
And this gets a, a point I was trying to make during the live part of the episode, and that is that when I said I like them when they're good, because allegedly this one kind of deals with the fact that she's a trauma victim and what mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. what it's been like for her for 40 years to have almost been killed, to lose her best friends, to, um, and that, to me, and I, I think there's mixed reviews on how well it does that mm-hmm. in, in the movie, and so I, I haven't seen it, I don't know. But I'm intrigued by it because I do think that there's a place for horror movies to make to be good movies and scary. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when they oh, yeah. do those things, I'm totally in, and it's totally worth it to me. It's just that so often they're just trying to be scary, and and I'm not interested in that. That's I'd even make the argument that a good horror movie allows you to take the I'll go back to perspective thing, but the the bad guy or bad guys that are going on, if you can actually feel something about that character that isn't just hatred or fear for them, that you can actually see a slight humanity that this person has is doing these terrible things or maybe understand the reason why they're doing it, I'd say it makes it actually scarier because it mm-hmm. creates a situation where you go, oh, those kinds of things have happened to people I know. What if what if that means this is the outcome of that? And so mm-hmm. like part of, I think, some of the the old school ones that I – like, Shining is the one I always bring up because I do actually enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to, to take that journey and see the development of this craziness mm-hmm. that becomes horror. Makes you wonder uh, if that could be you. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a yep. trip that you go, wow, that's really different. Mm-hmm. And it's much easier to get behind – than it is to think about just, okay, this person who just keeps killing everyone, right? That we have no backstory for or Mm -hmm. that, you know, that we really know nothing about. So any uh, final thoughts before we take a quick break? No, not really. So if I had to ask, what's your favorite scary movie? Like if if you could only watch one or you had to tell our listeners to watch one, what would it be? I would probably say Insidious. Okay. Any of the first three, not the fourth, because they're really good. And for me, it's The Ring. It just scares the crap out of me. Really? That's yeah. your favorite? I thought I, that, that's what you're no, most it's afraid it's so of. scary, and yet I appreciate it. So, yeah. How so about you? You guys know I consider Jaws a scary <laughs> movie. Um, and so, obviously, if Jaws is included, I would go with Jaws. Okay, we know that already. Yes. Give us a new one. <laughs> yeah. um, so, if I if I had to pick another one... I. I honestly, I might say Get Out. I knew I, it. I thought that mm-hmm. was such a well-made movie that, to me, like that movie, it was crafted to get and put together so so well and so thoughtfully, and um, I it had a high sort of creepiness factor all the way <laughs> yeah. through. Um, in fact, I in some ways found it. You know, there's a big reveal for those of you who haven't seen it, and I actually found it scarier up until the reveal. And and I don't think that's unintentional. I think mm-hmm. if you see the movie, you you, you probably know that it. That that's that was that was intentional. That it gets in some ways less scary once you know how, where people stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I could go on and on about that one, but I just think it's a great great movie. So when we come back, Jason is going to tell us what fear smells like in a segment we like to call "What's Good." Chuck, can I tell you something? What? I don't really like video games. I hate video games. Do, do actually, you hate I video? do. You want to know something else I don't like? What? I don't really like comic books that much. As a whole? 
Well, you know, I'm starting to like those things a little more. But you know who's making me like those things a lot more than I used to? Who could that be? <laughs> Brian Carr. Oh, my God. He makes me like everything more, <laughs> really. Know, Brian Carr of the podcast Serious Fun mm-hmm. out of Phoenix Studios. Brian covers topics from video game design, comic books, superheroes, and other sorts of pop culture phenomena. Brian is a UW-Green Bay communications and information science prof whose podcast, as he describes it, is a journey into the frivolous. He talks to people who interpret and create pop culture and says, whether it's comic books, video games, or reality TV, Serious Fun examines the media that shapes and reflect our lives. He also collects action figures. He does collect action figures, and he even had us on his show, so you know that means he's got good taste. Oh, totally. High standards. Otherwise, nobody would have been there. Right. I mean, please. Yeah, or maybe it's good taste and low standards. Yeah. You can find Series Fun and other great Phoenix Studios podcasts at uwgb.edu slash podcasts. All right, we are back. So, Jason, tell us what's good. Yeah, so what's good in in horror and fear is actually a new study came out of uh, Max Planck in Germany actually today, and it is talking about potentially a different way to create ratings for movies. So, uh, you know, whether it's G or PG or PG-13 or R, and that's based off of a more scientific method than just going, well, here's the number of swears that occur in it, and here's... Uh, how much violence occurs in it. And that's where what they did was did a series of studies where they brought a group of people, uh, so a full audience, in to screen movies in a laboratory setting that was set up like a small movie theater. And they tested uh, certain levels of pheromones in the environment. What they were trying to do was measure uh, the density of those pheromones with the knowledge that more of these chemicals being in the environment that are given off by our body are representing us getting really nervous and fearful during the middle of the movie. So they're released when you start to fidget a lot in your seat and there's more fidgeting when you're starting to get scared or you're fearful or you're stressed out. And so what they are are making the statement of doing is starting to use these as the indices to say, hey, that's a really stressful movie. Maybe it's not about the themes that are within it. It's about what it actually does to the person. So it's a really interesting and different way to maybe look at horror movies and fear in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very cool. As we finish up here, any follow-ups, anything you want to plug, anything you want to tell people? I mean, Halloween's coming up, which is fearful. The movie or the... I mean, all of the above, (laughs) right? That's... I'm scared of all of the Marvel costumes walking around. The Marvel There's a lot <laughs> of Marvel costumes. There's a lot You're of Marvel. You're scared of those? No, I'm not oh, really okay. scared of them. But. What are you going to dress up as? Um, we're doing Super Mario's themed. So my daughter is Toad, and then uh, it will be Mario and Luigi. That's amazing. So really scary. We're going with scary mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, yeah. Kind of scary. What are you dressing up as? I don't know yet. I was thinking about going as Wednesday Adams because it cracks me uh, up. The all right, all right. dressing as a sociopath because they look like everybody else. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. And Ryan, you're gonna wear. I don't have a costume yet. Go as Toothless again. <laughs> that was pretty great. I can dig that costume out if I need it, but. Uh, the kids are going as a super creepy clown, that is Reese, and a ninja, but not the same ninja as last year. So, that is. <laughs> All right. Okay, yeah. then. <laughs> so, which, by the way, Tobin, for, for Tobin, being a ninja is both his costume for Halloween and for career day. So um, That's amazing. Yeah. I approve. I approve. So, some good goals. And that does it for this episode. Special thanks to our guests, Dr. Jason Cowell and Sammy Elder-Fieser. 
I also want to thank our producer, Kate Farley, our podcast artist, Kimberly Bleese, and our fabulous intern, Shayla Warren. And finally, I want to thank Stitcher and the Widener Center for hosting us last week. That's it. We will be back soon with another episode. Until then, keep being amazing. <laughs>